Welcome to Cocktails and Conspiracies, everyone. I'm McDeb. And I'm Tessie. And we're back. Well, we're back. We took a little hiatus because, you know, uh, Thanksgiving rolled along. We both got super busy with work. And more importantly, Tessie... Made a great accomplishment. Tell everybody. I did. I got my thieves. So I've been certified employee benefit specialist. So it's basically like you have to pass a series of really, really tough exams. Mm -hmm. And I've been doing it the past two years. And I just passed number eight. And I'm done. And it feels so good. You're so great at taking tests. I'm such a good student. You are such a good study. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But oh my God, I. That's huge. Just fell off the face of the planet. Well, yeah. Much. I, mean, I had to study. Happens. Yeah. So. Um, it's tough, though. That's like, I feel like that's like, what? Is that equivalent of like. It's like a CPA. A, yeah. A CP, that's what I was about to say. Yeah. Like a CPA. Yeah. I think so. It's a very highly renowned and distinguished certification in my field. In your field. It's like the that's best one you can get. Oh my gosh. You're such a professional woman. Such a pro. Glad to be done. It. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, ah. Love it. Ooh. God, it's bubbly. Woo. We're just drinking some champagne today because yeah. it's in the middle of the day, and we Daytime. and I and my my logic was, oh, this is a day drink. Like, yeah, let's be I could drink. I mean, nine o'clock in the morning, totally acceptable for sure. Momo, because it's um, yeah, it's a little momo. champagne. So what champagne, kind of sh- yeah. What kind of champagne? Is oh it? shit! Of course, it's like all the way over so there. Far. It has an orange label on it. It's is not it, Vuv. Um, I wasn't that. I wasn't that fancy today. Viv is not Viv. that great. It's not that it's, great. Sorry. I like Barefoot. I really do. Like the Okay, barefoot. is that your favorite? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to start buying you that because I... So there's a Lamarco Prosecco. I think that's what this is. It's pretty good. No, this is really good. Yeah. I like it. Okay, well, I should probably, you know, figure that out, um, what I'm actually serving us today. Um, all right. So today we're talking about the Federal Reserve... And how new information, examination of historical data and facts have exposed it to be potentially run by the new world order. Love it. Yeah. It's very, and this is a very tricky topic because a lot of, a lot of the points, and I think the conspiracy theories that are riddled in actual truth but may not be as extreme like the whole big pharma stuff. Like, oh, we exactly. know that they fucked up and they did some crazy stuff. But right. then there's like this conspiratorial like little layer. So it's hard to kind of break through that and be like, okay, what's actual truth and what's conjecture? But this one has a little bit of both. Yeah, this is a good one. And we're going to actually look at the history behind it too so you can have a better understanding of why we even – accepted this whole concept in the first place right. the concept of central banking all right but what is the federal reserve what is it they are a private banking company that loans our u.s government money with interest and again there are a ton of conspiracy theories behind the whole institution and they're linked to the illuminati and their plot yeah. to create a new world order and the list goes on and on and on because they're controlling money yeah which is controlling people The Federal Reserve isn't the first central banking system that we've tried. Right. And in the past, we've tried to steer away from it. But somehow, there's always a war or something that we need money for. And it always ends up going back to that. So So tell us about it. Tell us all about it. Okay. Okay. We're going to have a little history lesson. Going back to the what? Going back to the 1600s. (laughs) The very, very beginning. 
Before America was America. Right. It was, think pre-Salem witch trials. I've got a whole circle moment right all, there. Let's go all, all the way, way back. back. So people were fucking psycho and it was cold. That's what I think. Yeah. So Jamestown, Virginia was the first colony founded in 1607. And then Massachusetts was the second in 1620. Mm-hmm. At this time, the colonies are being ruled by Britain and they're being total assholes to us. They don't like yeah. America at all. Their rules keep getting more and more strict. They're literally taxing everything. Mm-hmm. They're not giving us a break at all. And they're just being rude. And this goes on for over a hundred years. But they still get by. Fast forward again a hundred years to 1775. By this time, all 13 colonies have been established. And despite Great Britain being a total pain in the ass, America is just flourishing. Oh, duh. Yeah. Fuck you, American spirit. Yeah. Love it. But then there was the straw that broke the camel's back. So... At this time, America, we were actually using our own independent currency. We didn't have a central bank, and everything was fine and dandy. Right. And then King George III of England outlaws this interest-free independent currency Mm -hmm. that the colonies were producing. In turn, forcing them to borrow money from the Central Bank of England at interest, which immediately put them into debt. Mm -hmm. And so that was like the straw that broke the camel's back, because a year later... America declared its independence. We signed the Declaration of Independence, and then this bloody American Revolutionary War begins. And that was just the start of it. I think a lot of people think of 1776 as, like, that's when we got our freedom. No. No, that's when we declared our independence, and that's when the war actually started. The American Revolutionary War was horrible. Yeah. Yeah. And that lasted eight years. But America gains its independence. Everyone is super happy. So fast forward after the Revolution to about 1790, The country is growing, and it's finally time for the U.S. to build out its democracy and to prove to the rest of the world that this type of government was going to work. And so when it came to establishing a banking system, several of our founding fathers were against debt from the start. But after the war, America had racked up about $80 million in loans. Okay, what year was that? I'm going to do a quick search of like what? 1790. Okay. $80 million in loans from France and local farmers. Um. Hold on. So I just did this for simplicity's sakes. Um, $80 in 1790 is about $2,200 in 2018. Fuck. So add um, five zeros? Six zeros? Seven zeros. <gasps> oh, my God. $2.2 trillion. <laughs> <laughs> what? Wow. Hey. That's makes sense. You know what? Trillions of dollars in deficit... It's been the U.S.'s game since the 1700s. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. Yeah. $80 million in debt, which is equated to $2.2 trillion in today's money. Again, after the war, they wanted to basically start America on a clean slate, not pay anyone back. Let's just start over. But Alexander Hamilton... Alexander Hamilton who was the very first Secretary of the Treasury, had argued that our country shouldn't start off on a note like that. Yeah. His stance was, if we don't take responsibility for all this debt we incurred during the war, those that lent us money will never trust us again. So all those local farmers, you know, the French. The American people. Yeah, basically the rest of the world is going to think we're a bunch of sketchies. They're not going to lend us any money. We won't be able to trade, and we'll basically be stuck living off of whatever we grow here locally on land, which at the time was was nothing. Slim pickets, literally. <laughs> yeah. 
So Alexander Hamilton, Allie Ham. He wanted to establish international credit by establishing a national bank. So this was the first central bank. He really thought that our country needed some sort of banking authority. Otherwise, we'd be fucked. Could you imagine, like, sitting here coming up with, like, hey, our country's going to do this? Like, and it had never been done before. Like, these guys are literally making it up as they go. Yeah. No pressure. But they can do whatever the fuck they want because there are no rules and regulations around it. So it kind of makes sense that it's super fucked up. It's just it, it's just so crazy to me to think like, okay, how did you, you just come up convinced with that? maybe a million people to come establish a brand new country and now y- and y'all hate the one you came from so don't do things like they did yeah even though out. they've been around for thousands of years yeah. like yeah that's a lot of pressure yeah a lot but brand new roles you got to do what you got to do yep so um, TJ Thomas Jefferson hated this idea. From the start, him, James Madison, they all argued that if the states are indebted to a central authority, it increases the power of the central government, and it basically defeats the whole purpose of democracy and the American Revolution. I mean, Mm. remember, the straw that broke the camel's back was... They were indebted to the British government. Because they were forced to borrow money from the England Central Bank. So that makes sense, right? But in the end, Hamilton got his way. Alexander Hamilton! Everyone was like, fine, we'll pay off our old debt, but let's not make a habit out of this. So, <laughs> oh, <laughs> lot of famous last words. Oh, if only he if could only see us today. 21 trillion. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So, for the first 40 years or so of the Republic, we lived in Hamilton's world. The nation had a debt, but it was manageable. Um, the banks and the bankers of the Northeast really started to flourish. And we continued to trade. The country was growing. Everyone loved the U.S. And things continued that way until 1835. And this was after the first national bank was pretty much, the charter of it was over. Mm -hmm. Because they signed that, I think, in 1790 or in 1791. And they gave it a 20-year charter. So by 1811, that was done for. And they were establishing the second central bank. And this was when President Andrew Jackson got into office. President Jackson was quite a character. Oh, yeah? Yeah. He was like a bad boy. He killed someone with his bare hands. He was just like... Getting shit done. Bad boy rebel. And he really hated debt. (laughs) He hates it. Yeah. All debt. Um, His number one mission in his presidency was to pay off America's debt. And guess what? Did he? He did. He paid off America's debt. Andy Jack. Andy Jack, you're so good with uh, money and finance. Too few men like you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so it took several years, and he was ruthless on the budget. Literally vetoed every single spending. Everyone hated him. Okay, bye. How veto, veto, veto. Nope. How much is that? Nope. 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 (laughs) But six years into office, he did it. Our entire nation's debt was paid off. Wow, that's amazing. Then we ran into another problem because the U.S. government got had too much money. <laughs> they had more money than they needed. So they enjoyed being debt-free for one year. And then they were getting, like, they were on a surplus. They were the getting more money year. than they needed. The golden year. That was a good year. That yeah. was a good one. The best. The best. Um, so after a year of being debt-free, the U.S. had a surplus. And what do you do with a surplus? 
Jackson decided to do was disperse it out to the states based on the state's population. Oh, yeah, so he yeah, took yeah. the surplus Which and evenly divided it out. Which is how they still do things, like, based on population of state, how many representatives you have and all that kind of Yeah, thing. pretty smart. Sense. Yeah. But the state banks went crazy with the surplus. Please. They were printing massive amounts of money, and then it led to a huge crash and started the beginning of the longest depression in American history. It actually lasted six years before the economy started to grow again. This up and down happened for the next 50 years, so they could never really get it quite right again. And then on April 18th, 1906, this huge, massive earthquake hit San Francisco. The earthquake and the fires just destroyed the city. And this was really, really crazy. Like, consequences were felt around the world. Um, Insurance companies in London are paying millions of dollars in claims to people in San Francisco. The whole U.S. is falling into a recession. Unemployment shoots up. The Wall Street, or on Wall Street, the stock market falls by 50%. And then in 1907, banks start shutting down. People are going crazy. People are saying, to your point, remember Mm -hmm. the uh, states were going crazy with printing money. Mm -hmm. Everyone was like, I don't know what the fuck's going on. The market's crashing. Let's go to the bank. Let's get our money back Mm -hmm. in gold. Because remember, this is when the dollar was redeemable Mm -hmm. um, in gold. It was backed by gold. It was was not backed by just whatever value the Federal Reserve puts on it, which... Still, I mean, this is the one scary real part of, if you're a conspiracy theorist or not, is that the value of our dollar is in the hands of a few that put value to it. It's Mm -hmm. not backed by like, oh, we have mounds of gold in our vault. Like, Right. Money used to be backed by physical gold. Think about any gold, diamonds, think about something like that. Like something, a physical commodity that had value, you would have to have to back up your currency. And then in the 30s, this all switched to fiat currency, which is basically, it's backed up by a promise. It's backed up by a promise. It's not based on the material from which it's made. So money, if you can think about it, money back then was just a representation of the gold that was in a vault. It was a receipt. Right, for gold. But yeah, so... At this time in 1907, people are freaking out. They're trying to get all their gold back. But this was when the banks only had to have 10% of someone's money on Mm. reserve. Mm -hmm. So banks are going crazy. They're trying to call in all this gold. They're getting shut down very quickly. There's a huge, huge problem here. They were just trying to figure out a resolution for this huge mess. And then a bunch of guys meet. Where is it? Jekyll Island. Jekyll. It just sounds like a murder scene to me. It does. Every absolutely. time. So Jekyll Island was owned by J.P. Morgan. So there are six international bankers that go to this meeting, this very famous meeting on Jekyll Island, and planned the Federal Reserve System. They met for three days with armed guards. So some of the attendees included Rockefeller, Stephanopoulos, Lloyd Benson, Henry Kissinger, like people from all walks of life, from the government, from independent wealth, I mean, you name it. So The 1% of the 1%. Right. But yeah, so then they come up with this plan to basically create the Federal Reserve. Four out of the five bankers will be part of a private party. Two out of the four are English banks. Mm -hmm. And that is a very good point to make because it's not just Americans. This is an international group. Like, 
these meetings, this, you know, these secret cabals that people talk about and to what extent that is true, I don't know and actually nobody knows and I'm going to tell you why nobody knows that. But yeah. like, it's not just Americans. It is 100% all international groups. They're all in cahoots. They're all in cahoots. Yeah. Always. But yeah, so then they come up with this thing. Yeah. The Federal Reserve Act. Yeah. Right. And present the Federal Reserve to Woodrow Wilson, December 23rd, 1913, two days before Christmas. When so, he's not going to give a fuck because he just wants to, yeah, like... Drunk off eggnog. Right. And so they're like, hey, we'll um, support you in the presidency and fund you and give you a bunch of money if you sign this. And he's yeah. like, okay. And... Here he is. Was. There we go. The Federal Reserve. Right. <clears throat> so... Yeah. So... A decade after the passing of the Fed, there was the Great Depression. So 16 months prior to the Depression. So this is just, so this is going to support the fact that things are fucking sketchy. Like. Yeah. Timing. Let's just. The timing weird. And it's all about our running theme of control. Yeah. Okay. So 16 months prior to the Great Depression, the Fed increases money supply 62%. So they just pumped a lot of money into yeah. the American population. Everybody at that point was buying, selling, and borrowing, thinking it will never end. Because they've had like 100 years of great. fucking mm-hmm. money. So then, all of a sudden, the Fed pulled the money supply and everyone lost it all. So here's, here is something proven. There was a memo circulated, and the big guys got out cash heavy. That is so fucking sketchy. What I think is really important is why are these guys, like, really motivated to to get into this arena, right? Like, why why start this? Why go to the effort to start a Federal Reserve? Like, why why does it matter? Post-Federal Reserve Act of 1913... It's really, you can go back to World War One, World War Two, and the Great Depression and really focus on the profitability of war. And that is where it gets to those international cahoots. World War One was actually stretched out two years more than it needed to be because of the profits being generated. God, it's fucked up. Terrible. So... They did this knowingly to build profits and support banking institutions. Um, so the war in the Balkans, that's that's actually like pretty kind of recent history. Russians provided guns that were supported by the U.S. Like there's always, like if you look at these major international banking hubs, they support both sides of the war all the time. Yeah, yeah I believe it. So, without the existence of fiat currency, most wars of the past 200 years would have been petty skirmishes rather than full-blown bloodbath. Blood? Full? Say full-blown bloodbath. Say that. Full-blown bloodbath. Oh, that's so hard. I had to do it slow and think about it. That was very hard. Without the ability of their benefactors to write blank checks, most sides in any battle simply wouldn't have the money to keep fighting forever. So war is highly profitable, always. Always. And whoever has the money 
holds the keys, right? Yep. So there has been some attempts in history of certain individuals to audit, to have these meetings and really audits to examine the profits. Like, well, where did all of this come from? One was Abraham Lincoln. Love it. Who was really hardcore into that. And then JFK. And guess what? They both got assassinated. Oh, wow. They called for audits. They called for more democracy. They called for that. So then assassination is attributed to keeping control to banks. Like Lincoln and JFK were examples. Yeah. But they knew. Right. So. Oh, Abe. I know. And, but then also, remember when the Federal Reserve Act was signed, 1913, a year after the Titanic sunk? There's another conspiracy linked to that. that J.P. Morgan, J.P., like all the Rockefellers, like A bunch of people guys. that were against the Federal Reserve were on the Titanic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So here's the thing. It's all connected. It's all, in, it's all proven, but it's all highly, highly secreted and compacted into this very elite group of people that have survived through the centuries and you wonder why so and i thought this was really interesting so in 1938 that news bulletin came on the radio the war of the worlds by orson wells that news bulletin was a complex psychological warfare test and the results were released to an elite group the bilderbergs okay Mm-hmm. So that War of the Worlds, when he came on and saying like, oh, there's aliens, oh, there's all this stuff, and it freaked people out. It was a test to see oh. how the American people would react. And so those results, those those reaction results were published only to certain people. Okay. That, that is me goosebumps. So, that is so fucking crazy. And this comes back to control. So that's the running theme here. Like, after knowing the history. Power and control. control. Yeah. And controlling money controls people, controls whatever else you want. A thousand percent. This is like, and I'm just going to do a quick little mm-hmm. reference to this, because 9-11, no joke, I was in high school, freshman year in high school, I was sitting in class. I was class. in eighth grade art class. Yep, I was yeah. in biology. And our teacher is reading her email, and she says, oh, and this is kind of back in the day when you had like the TVs like yeah. mount the big ass TVs though mounted onto the walls and then you had to like like it wasn't anything high tech so she turns it, was it not on a smart board it was just like yeah I mean it was, I'm impressed y'all had TVs this is the early 2000s so yeah so she turned yeah it was 2001 2011 no September 11th 2001 <laughs> <laughs> you were so confident oh my god Wrong out, 2011. Whoops. Getting older, thirty. That, that was the ten year anniversary. Anniversary. <laughs> 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 no, but okay. So I remember watching that and being like, "This is fake. This is a stupid assignment that we have to do for school." And the girl next to me, Pam Greminger, started bawling because her dad was in New York, and I was like, <gasps> "Pam." Uh, Mrs. Oh, what was her name? Mrs. Blah blah blah. Mrs. Blah blah blah. It's an assignment we have to do. Why would I fucking think that? It was biology class. I thought Why it was a writing. I thought it was a writing assignment. That was I did not believe it at all. 
then I was like, wait, did, they did this really the happen? Did they turn the news on? Yeah, they turned the news on. And I you thought, were sitting there as I thought, a little skeptic. I thought it was a fake clip. And that's why you believe all the conspiracy <laughs> theories now, because like, you were a skeptic mm-mm, a million mm-mm. years ago and got gotten. And mind you, <laughs> my father worked in the government. Like, he, right. he worked in D.C. I, I grew up in D.C. And so I still didn't believe it. <laughs> He did not know that. Yeah. And so, but I totally, like, that is, that's why that's so fascinating to me that, you know, they would put this fake thing on the news and then. Like, could you imagine doing that today? Like. No. Oh my God. That would not fly. Hashtag fake news. Everything's fucking fake. Oh my God. You can't believe anything. And something is fake is somebody using a wrong adjective Mm -hmm. nowadays. Yes. There's no way that you could do a fox alert, like, aliens invading, and then be like. Nothing. (laughs) (laughs) So, this was given to the elite group. Part of the elite group was the Bilderbergs, um, the CFC, Trilateral Commission, and the Federal Reserve. So, people who are over these groups. The discovery of the test is key to understand why these elite groups are pulling the strings. The common objective is to maintain control over the rapidly growing American population. So this was when growth was huge. These are the baby baby boomer yeah. eras. Like those people are being born and like it is changing too fast. There's not a lot of control. There's too much growth, too much progress. So basically, you know, a lot of conspiracy theorists or people that are really passionate around this say they're here to rob the American middle class and bring control to a new world order. And so how does this connect to the new world order? The new world order is tied back to these same groups, the Bilderbergs, the trilateral commissions, the Fed, and all these wealthy families that have survived through the years, right? So they're a proponent of free trade because they control multinational corporations. Yes. They build up third world countries to export major profits back to the U.S. Hey, filing all the money back to the U.S., right? Mm -hmm. And their central banking. This comes back to the fiat currency backed by faith and credit by a person creating money. And that's what people, if you're getting into the conspiracies, think that the New World Order is doing. They're creating and controlling money to then control and create populations that they want, right? Yeah, exactly. So They're controlling our government. Like, why can't our government print out this free money? I don't know. It doesn't make sense. We trust that they keep the value of money. We don't have a choice. So there are actual just people determining what money is and what money is not. Yeah. So there's this guy, this American televangelist, which... I don't know. All right off the bat, I don't trust the televangelist, but his name is Pat Robertson. He wrote in 1991 a best-selling book called The New World Order. Um, and so he became the most prominent Christian popular popularizer of conspiracy theories about recent American history. He describes a scenario where Wall Street, the Federal Reserve System, the Council on Foreign Relations, the Bilderberg Group, and the Trilateral Trilateral Commission control the flow of events behind the scenes, nudging people constantly and covertly in the direction of world government for the Antichrist. Well, Pat, you know, that's getting real religious, but I don't disagree with your suspicions on these groups well, he's, their mechanisms. It, what, he's just equating money to evil. And that's what evil. a lot of... Right. Exactly. Um, Which, if you think about it, I mean, 
money does bring out the evil in a lot of people. Right. So I think this is interesting. Um, the Federal Reserve, they don't actually print money. The Federal Reserve does not print money. The U.S. government does through the Bureau of Engraving and Printing. But the Federal Reserve decides how much of that money is circulated throughout the public. Yeah. So I think that's important to know. Right. So we, we are still printing our own money because that's what you think, right? But then, but then the Federal Reserve says how much is circulated. So let's talk about this. So if it's not part of the federal government, why is the word federal in its name? Conspiracy theorists will point out that you can't find Federal Reserve ever under government in the phone book. You have to look in the business section instead. So this is where you get into, like, okay, what's controversy and what's conspiracy, right? Like, you can go either side. Like, Well, the fact is they're not part of the government. They're not. You have to look in the business section instead, like I said. Yeah. They argue, conspiracy theorists argue, that calling it the Federal Reserve is intended to deceive people into believing that it's part of our government and is therefore democratically elected rather than what it really is. I agree. A sinister cabal of private bankers who wish to control world governments through controlling their money supply. I completely agree. Federal. What do you think that, I mean, what would you relate that to? Government. Yeah. Yeah. So how does this actually affect our lives? Besides the Federal Reserve, right? So here's how this affects our life. They choose our presidents. Carter. So Carter (coughs) was a very little known politician. Yeah. Nobody knew who the fuck he was. Yeah, like where did he come from? He was a member in Rockefeller's Trilateral Commission. He was getting um favorable media coverage connected to the Rockefellers because guess what? Like all those guys own these papers. Yeah. Washington they own Post, the media. The Hearst media, yep. like all that kind of stuff. Um, Clinton, who was not very well known, he was an, an Arkansas governor. Who's he? He attended the Bilderberg meeting in 1991 on yeah. Jekyll Island. Yeah. He was not well known before, but immediately became candidate, then president. Remember, Bill Clinton was young when he was president. I mean, he was, yeah. what, in his 40s? Yeah. Like, he, he was. He actually called himself a virtual president. And also, like, Hillary Clinton was very close to Rockefeller at that time, too. Surprise, surprise. Surprise, surprise. Recently, like, if you want to get into kind of recent history about this, and hey, you may think these guys are crazy, too, but, like, Ron and Rand Paul have been trying to shove Levis legislation requiring an audit of the Fed and a review of its monetary policy, and they have all failed miserably. Even though, like, three versions of this legislation passed in the House, they failed miserably in the Senate. Yeah. There was a 2015 version that was a fail, with Bernie Sanders even voting on it, like... It just, they don't ever let an audit happen, which I think is so crazy. Um, Let's talk a little about a recent recession that we just had. Right. The Great Recession of, what, 2008, 2009. So it actually started in 2006 when housing prices began falling. And then by August 2007, the Federal Reserve responded to the subprime mortgage crisis by adding $24 billion dollars 
and liquidity to the banking system. By September 2008, Congress approved a $700 billion bank bailout, now known as the Troubled Asset Relief Program. And by March 2009, Obama proposed the $787 billion economic stimulus package. So this was when he was trying to give back to basically real estate in the housing market and giving this incentive to first-time home buyers. He's trying to fix this, right? right? Like He's trying to fix this huge recession that we're going through. There's a movie out there called The Big Short Yeah, that talks about this housing crisis. Um, it talks about in 2008, Wall Street guru Michael Burry realizes that a number of subprime home loans are in danger of defaulting. Mm-hmm. Burry bets against the housing market by throwing more than $1 billion of his investors' money into credit default swaps. His actions attract the attention of banker Jared Vinette, hedge fund specialist Mark Baum, and other greedy opportunists. Together, these men make a fortune by taking full advantage of the impending economic collapse in America. Yep. Watch that movie. Okay. The Big Short. The Big Short. Steve Carell is in it. Yeah. Ryan Gosling. Like, there's, yeah, it's it's super good. I think I watched it twice. It was so good. And I didn't get it the first time. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> I was like, oh, I don't get it. That's me on any movie. I have to watch it twice. But I get sleepy during movies the first time. Yeah. And then I'm like, no, I don't, I don't know. So, here's, here's, I think, is a good kind of summary of. All this shit. Like, so we've talked about how this got, you know, even established with not the best intentions, with people fighting it before it even got established. We talked about the Great Depression, how that could be seen as being manipulative. Yeah. um, And manipulated. And we have examples of, like, who got out. The Rockefellers, the Rothschilds, everybody got out before the Great Depression. There's a fucking memo. Um, people that stood up to it who, you know, Lincoln and JFK, they were assassinated. Um, you know, examples of getting profits from war, trying to start it. There's the War of the Worlds psychological test. It's been a controversy forever, and there's a difference between controversy and conspiracy. We know that. So, yeah, I think I think that it is somewhere in the middle. But my question would be, like, why has anybody that wanted to do an audit through JFK, through Lincoln, through Ron and Paul Rand, like, no audit gets passed? And why? That's my That was my biggest kicker. Because you know I'm a skeptic. Well, and so, like, my question is, like, okay, well, why wouldn't they get audited? Think about the power they have. So, like, let's think about something that everyone can relate to. Real Housewives. Yes. Teresa Judice, Judice, whatever uh, the fuck. GDC, who knows. Whatever. Um, her husband, I mean, you know that they, they had like all this. Yeah, they both um, went to jail. They both went to jail. All They're in so much Defaulted trouble. on all their What's shit. his face is being deported. Oh, her yeah. husband? Oh, yeah. I read that. He broke all of these rules on taxes. That's government. So it's probably a deal that they have with the Federal Reserve. Probably. Probably. I believe it. I think so. So, I guess, I mean, the last thing to do is, in conclusion, what do you think? I think that 
America loves debt. We love it. We spend a lot. We love to spend money and we love debt. expensive. For sure. So yeah, lots of thoughts about the Federal Reserve and why America loves debt so much. Love it. Um, We have a lot of stuff coming up. A lot of stuff. But if you have any thoughts, Please email us. We're gonna get active on our Instagram again. Like it's just For sure. been it's a about sh- like a shit three weeks. Like it's been it, really tough. It has. It has. So, but we haven't gone away, and we're never going away. <laughs> McDevil looks like a psycho right now. She's wearing a Santa hat, but she looks great. Oh, your hair looks so pretty. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so we love you guys. God bless yes. and trust, trust no, no one. one. Bye. Bye.